Hey, welcome to this week's gig news featuring me, Chad, the gig economist with Hannibal is Hungry. And we get a special guest host, Steve Johnson from Rideshare Rodeo out there in Denver. How you guys doing? Pretty good, good. pretty good. We had a spirited <laughs> conversation before before we hit live. <laughs> yeah. Who's in the uh the chat? Anybody here oh, yet? I, I was actually I didn't jump in yet. That says we have one viewer. <clears throat> yeah, we always start a minute late. Well, uh, anybody have any? Uh, we, we got time to chit chat a little. So, any crazy stories or anything funny happened to anybody this week? Nothing funny for me, but it's just uh, still slowdown. I'm still suffering from the summer slowdown this week. I'm um, hopefully next week. I know school starts in my area in New York tomorrow. So hopefully things will pick up, but uh, it's been yeah the offer has been really bad. But you know, I only do food delivery primarily, so I don't know how the shopping apps are doing. But it, it was a bloodbath at my market. You're <laughs> saying the colleges start tomorrow? Uh, public school. Oh, I think really? colleges are already start, but public school where wow. yeah, and everyone. I think majority of everyone is in in person. So hopefully some of the orders get picked up. People go back to the normal routine. So we'll see. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. One thing I saw was the California. Um, right, I think it was right before the weekend, or else it was Saturday morning. Went to uh, Southern California, went to mandated vaccinations for public schools. Did see that story? Yeah. The, if you want to go to public school, you have to get vaccinated now. You know that's funny because uh, I'm originally from New York, and I remember that when I moved to Florida, it's really weird. Is that the kids in K through 12 are on the same schedule as like college? Like they start. In August, and they wrap in May or something. I don't know. I don't know if it's a Southern thing or. Yeah, it well, we like started. It. We just we. My son's been in school for. I mean, I want to say this is like his fourth week starting this tomorrow. Really? Yeah, so yeah. Or like third, early it's third August, at least. But... I mean, he's fully back in the swing of it. I, that's why I thought <laughs> it was kind of late that New York's starting tomorrow. That's how we do. <laughs> That's how we do I, things. I always remember that because like, it was like right when football started because it's always like the Monday after Labor Day or the Monday before. So it's when does, it, right does it go till mid-late June? Yeah, June 26th is usually the end date Yikes. in public schools, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Weird. I, it cuts summer apart different, but... I, I completed my lift challenge... Did the 120 rides in two weeks, and uh, I'm and you like you really enjoyed yourself that whole time. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> so I start, I sat down and started writing a script for the video today, and then I was like about to like kind of uh, bring up like all the how much I made per hour and per and like I was like let me put a spreadsheet together real quick. I thought it was going to take like ten minutes, and I was on, I was working on it for probably two or three hours. <laughs> Jeez. Hey, sorry, Elizabeth is here. How are you doing? Uh, anyway, I guess we can. Uh, Roll into the main main news, unless anybody's got something they want to share. Um, well, one thing, uh, next month, um, I'm pretty uh, excited to have, uh, and also uh, a little concerned to have Bina Dubal on, the pod, on our podcast. Um, I don't know if you yeah, know She's Bina, like the she, co-author of AB5 or something like that. She's like the architect, and she's like the, you know, Ooh. the... Um, UC, uh, UC California Hastings uh, law professor. And uh, yeah, a lot of the AB5 movement is behind her. And, you know, I'm, I'm pro, I'm pro independent contractor and she's yeah. not, but we do start from the same point. It's just going to be very interesting as we. 
Yeah, I'm actually looking forward to that. I would like to hear that. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, we've chatted a lot. We've just never done anything. She really doesn't do podcasts, so it's going to be pretty interesting. Gotcha. Gotcha. Cool. All right. Well, this is... Well, actually, I thought last week was a pretty controversial um, topic, but this one, at least our main story is, so let's let's dive in here. There's a gig worker size hole in Biden's va- vaccine mandate plan. Biden's order only covers large employers of 100 or more. Now, I, I, supp- I assume everybody knows this, is that Biden put out some executive order that if you have a employees with more than 100 worker 100 workers required to be vaccinated or get tested weekly and although this article is pretty it's funny this is from MIT it pretty much just boils down to one sentence here gig workers aren't mentioned in the policy even though they stand to benefit the most from policies that would offset the loss of hourly income and they make up a significant and growing population of the US workforce the mandates also won't help people who are out of work which adds up to 8.4 million Americans so it's a good point. In fact, I was listening to a podcast the other day with uh, Congressman Tom Massey, and like he was saying like how like this is totally illegal and unconstitutional, and most red states are already um, ready to file suit to block it or whatever. And he was saying uh, he wouldn't be surprised if uh, employers who don't want to go along with this, like they just classify all their employees as 1099 independent contractors. <laughs> what do you think? Is that a possibility? Yeah. I also think it's a possibility that they'll do the, uh, you know, I mean, these so a lot of companies have already been pushed into this, and they're exempting anybody who wants it. I mean, really, the companies already who have integrated this are already saying, if somebody comes to them and says, hey, religious, and they want to get uh, start pulling out documents, I think they're just like, whatever, that's fine. Yeah. I mean, literally, they're just exempting anybody who wants an exemption. I'm sure there will be companies that don't. However, they're they're already doing that. They're not gonna. They can't afford to lose more workforce. Yeah, I. It's very interesting. Like I made a video about this uh, from the angle of gig workers that are, you know, uh, many people are not going to go along with this, and they will go to gig work, and I think it will further saturate our market. I think that was my main point, and even you know, we try not to go too political, but. The idea that Biden had this mandate, um, you know, the USPS, the Postal Service workers are are not a part of the mandate. Yes. No, they, that. How no, is that said, possible? <laughs> like, no, it's a, uh, it's, I, I re- there's an article I, I saw on Yahoo today that said that's a misconception that the post office workers are. Oh really? They they do fall under this now. So, so they was, they have to t- okay because I, yeah. I, that's pretty I saw funny. the same I, I saw the same thing he was talking about though that Hannibal yeah. was talking about. Okay, that. so they, I can okay. bring it up if you uh, want to see. Oh yeah, it. Uh, uh, yeah I'll, I'll take that back. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, my angle was just from the side of the gig workers. I th- I thought that li- a lot of people are very passionate that they're not interested in doing it, and I just feel like it's going to be a flood of more gig workers that's going to come into the market. So I think that's like the. I guess from the uh, gig worker side of it, what I thought in terms of uh, the mandate and constitutional or not, I mean, that's just another argument that we can have uh, in in this chat here. But yeah, that, that was my that was my angle. Yeah, I agree. I think as as saturated as our markets are already is well, I think it kind of stands like we have to kind of wait and see if, how this is going to hold up because. 
I, I, I find that it's going to be met with a lot of resistance and just so many companies and so many like states are just going to laugh this off. You're like, yeah, we're not doing that. So I think it's uh, certainly a possibility. It depends how quick the courts are and all that stuff. But um, yeah, it's like I saw this. I'm like, oh God, now everybody's just going to go become a DoorDash driver now as if they weren't flooded already. I wonder if uh, like DoorDash, Instacart, Uber, if they would ever put up like a, something, like put a notice out like, okay, we're full. We got enough people. Like, I don't know. I think, Steve, you're, would they ever say, yeah, we got enough contractors? Absolutely not. They want they want everybody. They want ten thousand too many people on every platform at all times. I mean, that's that's in their perfect world. That's what they want. Um, they don't ever want to be cutting it close or you know like onboarding only what the market calls for. Um, you know, even if like there was, I had a taxi driver on the podcast, and we were talking about how they break that down in a per capita whole like equation type thing that made sense. Like so in. Uh, and actually, you'll appreciate this because I think it was it was down in Broward County. Um, they do a thing where he was when he was driving for many years where they take, you know, they got it down to for every 2000 residents, they needed one cab. And so that's how many they allowed. But with the gig worker economy, you have no way of knowing who's going to work when, what, how. And you also want to have somebody as close to every call. At least these companies do. We don't want all that competition, but. Yeah, so I think uh, this is kind of a wait and see game, but I, I thought that story was really interesting because they're just pointing out something that that nobody else has has thought of. So we got another political story. I'll dive into. Seattle cracks down on food delivery apps with one of the strictest laws in country. This is from the Seattle Times, by the way. So um, they really bury the lead on this one. They just do a bunch of. Uh, anecdotal evidence and so it says the city of seattle will soon start cracking down on such practices this is where grubhub uber eats doordash where they do uh order and pay like where they put the company's um menu on their app or their website and what they were saying is that customers were trying to order food that they haven't served in two years or something so i mean of course, leave it to Seattle to actually make it a law that said, um, under new Seattle law, effective September 15th, will require third-party meal delivery apps to get written consent from restaurants before listing their menus or taking orders without permission. A delivery service that refuses to remove the restaurant from its listing within 72 hours of receiving the request could be fined $250 per violation. Um, is this a solution in search for a problem or... <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know how else to describe it. I mean, I actually, I don't think we need a government mandate to say this, but I, I mean, I've always, as I've ragged on order and pay, you fly, I buy type orders, especially like the early days of Postmates. Like I'd say like 99% of all orders now are like, you know, you go and you just pick them up. Like maybe at like mom and pop Chinese restaurants have to swipe the red card, but otherwise like there's no transaction involved. So, what was your reaction? I think, Let's well, per- personally, I think that, uh, I, I think there need, again, I'm with you. There doesn't need to be regulation. I hope there doesn't ever need to be at all. Um, but I do think that these companies owe it to these businesses to let them know that they're working their platform because a DoorDash or an Uber Eats could take a small business and 
take the amount of food they're doing in a day and multiply it by 20. And they might not have the right amount of workers. They might have been around for 20 years. They might have a great name as a restaurant in that town. And that kind of thing could trash your business real quick if you don't have the right amount of employees on hand to handle the demand. So I think a heads up is kind of needed. And it just seems it just seems like me like good business to communicate with these companies that you're going to be doing this. I don't know. What, what do you think, Hannibal? I, you know, Pedro always had a really good point when he talks about the merchants and the restaurants that DoorDash's biggest weakness, and they have a lot of weaknesses, and you talk about Uber Eats and Grubhub as well. I think they all are guilty of this. Their relationship with the merchants is poor, very, very poor, where they it just don't seem like there's enough communication happening, even to be an idea of, hey, do you want to be on our platform? I mean, why does this have to have a law? Because the way to communicate with these merchants, they're like, yeah, yeah, we're going we're gonna to offer things to our customers. But we didn't even tell the restaurant, the the, the, the merchant that's creating it, we're not going to tell them anything. We'll just make sure that, you know, having a, a menu of items that you don't even, you're not even sure that this restaurant, this merchant can even provide. It's just their, their relationships with the merchant needs to be uh, strengthened if they want to, that they're going to survive because it's really poor right now. It doesn't surprise me that this is uh, what, what it's come down to. I'm actually a little surprised they didn't, happen sooner uh because it's like these huge corporations like they and like especially when when you're national or even international is they don't know what's happening in like certain cities so it's quite possible well i i would assume that this came to the the desk or attention of tony shu or dara by now but they're probably like scrambling like oh my god like how are we gonna fix this like they probably get the the engineers working overtime trying to reprogram the app. So, uh, yeah, let us know what you guys think. Uh, does this need to be a law, or would uh, you know would this be something that would be fixed by the market? So, uh, we got we got a lot of stuff to to get to. So let's let's keep moving here. Uh, moving back to our UPS dives in the same day. Delivery by buying crowdsourced delivery company Rody. Now, first of all, I I think this is a poor choice of words to call it crowdsource. It's not like crowdsource <laughs> means like it was crowd. Well, I guess crowdfunded, but when you say crowdsource, I guess that's a way of saying like it's you know supported by gig workers. So, um, I don't know. Rody, I'm kind of with you. I think crowdsource is a little. Eh, it's it's right on the border of yeah. of whether or not they should use that word there. Yeah, but it's Yahoo, so. so. Yeah, Rody, uh, and then I think they just copied and pasted the story from uh, Reuters or from or from yeah from Business Insider. I should probably bring up that site, but anyway, so UPS wants to provide a same day delivery option for its customers and has acquired the platform Rody. Delivery companies are competing in lucrative e commerce delivery market ahead of supply chain strained holiday season. UPS and Rody's will still operate independently of each other's shipping networks. Um, I don't think they say what the price was i was i've been trying to find like how much they paid for it but to me this seems like good news because roadie around me is very very slow and i have to be like like around here is the only orders i get for roadie are for home depot i do i know they do walmart in some cities um and they do like airport luggage retrieval at certain airports 
But I've like I've only ever done I think Home Depot and nothing bunt cakes <laughs> deliveries to Rody. <laughs> um, so I'm hoping that if uh, Rody can actually get some capital in there, I, I I think some people on Twitter were saying like they find the the Rody uh text support like really really poor and it's just like a matter of like roadie's like a pretty tiny company and if if they can get that ups money then maybe roadie will actually be able to compete with like well i mean i was gonna say doordash or something but there's there seems to be there's a definite i don't think roadie considers doordash a competitor although it might go, be the other way around because roadie is only delivering packages and luggage they're not delivering food but with that UPS money in there, it's quite possible you might be getting pizza delivered through Grody. What do you guys think? I'm not I'm not familiar with a Grody as much. Um, I, I don't think it's in my area, but it's just a very interesting time in this uh, industry where all the now, as you know, DoorDash and and I guess Grubhub. Well, Grubhub has been here for a while, but. You can see that other companies, established companies, are looking at the amount of revenue, even though it may not be profit or whatever that's going on, the amount of money that's being generated, and they want to get a little, they want a little taste, you know, they want to get their beak wet. And you see UPS, you see Walmart, you see all these little these established companies. I wonder what FedEx is doing, but you, you see all these established companies trying to trying to to get a little bit of that market share. So, I, you know, as much as we kind of complain, or at least I complain about the saturation. There's going to be a lot of opportunities, you know, it depends on where you are and, you know, obviously the local situation, but there are opportunities because these companies are trying to get a piece of that marketplace. So, you know, I have no idea how well this will go. I know UPS is a logistical, you know, that's that's, that's what they think, delivering things. So uh, it should definitely increase the roadie uh, experience. So I'm interested to see how that, how that you know, pans out. So, yeah, I have something to say on that too, though. The roadie thing. Um, uh, so, you know, I've, I've heard, I've talked, I've talked to so many drivers every week and I was talking to um, some drivers who do work the roadie platform and they use that weird system too, where, you know, Chad, you were talking about how, uh, you know, they're not really like where you are. They're not really big yet. They're still a small company. I find that with those, uh, and they're they're kind of doing this right now is that they have the, um, when you select a ride with Rody, you go into a pool that then is another 30 se- second selection process where it's then going through a secondary to see if you're going to get that ride or not. Even if you were the first to get it and claim that ride, you're not necessarily getting that ride. Then you go into a pool where it mixes you up. In fact, I talked to a, a friend who drives for Rody and used his Prius and went to uh, Walmart and they pulled out a basketball hoop that no way was it fitting in his car. And the dude who pulled it out said, um, this is the third car from roadie that's been here. We can't fit this in. So I don't, I don't know if, you know, part of it's just that that kind of stuff is weird to me. Like when you, when you get that ride and you hit select, like it's mine and it shows that you've claimed it. Now it says, but you're in a 30 second pool while we reevaluate the area. To me, that's always a weird system. Yeah, Roadie's Roadie's weird because like it's almost like you're bidding for it or something, and it's like if you lose out, there's plenty of times where I put in for a a job and like every time I see one for Best Buy, um, like that I would want to take, like I'll put in for it, but then like nine times out of ten, like it says sorry, another qualified driver has taken this order or something. Exactly. So I don't know why it's not just first come first serve. I will say like in Roadie, 
they do have the details, or at least they're supposed to. Sorry, I had a burp. <laughs> um, when, when, like, if you look on the order details, it'll show like the dimensions, the weight, and but usually it'll just say small sits on front seat, medium fits in back seat, large, extra exactly. large. Like you need a, a pickup truck or something like that. But but I think if yeah, they don't put the dimensions news. and they don't put the weight. Roadie's just kind of randomly assigning cars till one gets there and it makes it. And to me, that's that's bad business. You know, you don't yeah. want your customer waiting. You don't want all these drivers getting in these pools and then getting out, and then getting out there and finding out they can't even take the load. Mm-hmm. So like they're sitting in this pool, they know they got it, like just based on standard gig economy apps. They watched it, boom, I grabbed it. Okay, I got this one. Cause sometimes on those same apps you get there and it's like already claimed. But then you hit it and you're like, oh, I got this one. But then you have to sit in that 30-second pool. And then they're still assigning rides to drivers who can't fit the load. Speaking of, uh, well, I know like you uh, uh, plugged a, a new app, Curry, which when I, mm-hmm. when I heard about it, I figured, oh, this is just like Dispatch and Roadie. And I haven't, I haven't gotten an order for it yet, but I've had every app except Lyft turned off for the last two weeks. So oh. that might be why. Um, yeah, I'll be curious to see how Curry compares to Rody, but I don't know. I mean, so like usually Curry the- is pretty busy in this area in Denver. Uh-huh. It's hard to fight for them, but the the um, orders are huge payouts. Mm, huge. They are around here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like when they come through, you just got to grab it quick, though. Yeah. yeah. All right. I guess I guess we can uh, take our first break here. So. If this is your first time here, welcome. And if you're a regular, you know what you're about to see. So we'll see you in 30 seconds. Are you a DoorDash delivery driver? Would you like to be safer and less stressed while driving and earn more at the same time? The Driver's Utility Helper app allows you to do just that. Create custom filters and its automated system does the work for you, automatically declining unwanted low-paying requests and accepting more profitable requests so you can focus on driving. Visit acceptordecline.com to get started today. All right, we are back. And uh, we're just going to keep chugging on with the news here because we have a lot to get to. This one's pretty interesting. It's from a business insider again. Uber insiders reveal how DoorDash stole its delivery crown and left eats in the dust, which I kind of disagree with that headline already. Like if it said Grubhub, yeah, but in certain markets, like Uber eats is just as good, if not better than DoorDash. It kind of goes from town to town, but um, this isn't so much breaking news. So I'm just going to read a couple of paragraphs here. So seven current and former Uber employees told Insider... Let me zoom in here so you guys can see. It's funny. I've been making my font like huge on all my devices. And I'm like, man, am I like super old and like can't read anymore? (laughs) Uh, So anyway, (laughs) seven current former Uber employees told Insider the company lost its lead because it failed to match DoorDash's pace and adding new restaurants and features. The current and former Uber employees were granted anonymity, blah, blah, blah. Though CEO Dara was warned about the trend before Eats slipped behind DoorDash, two former Uber execs said he didn't prioritize the problem. Lots and lots of alarm bells are raised to him when the former executive said his inaction led to severe erosion of market leadership. So, I mean, this 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 article is pretty long, goes on. This is a good uh, 
you know, a piece to check out when you had the time. But I don't know. I mean, like I said, it seems like they should be talking about Grubhub because Grubhub seems like they're like hanging by a thread. I mean, I'm sure they're doing all right, but is DoorDash like really in trouble or what? Hannibal, you've been quiet. I'll let you go first. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, uh, DoorDash st- still has, you know, in terms of food delivery, they have the majority of the market. But as I would say, last couple of weeks, uh, many of the gig drivers that, you know, that I talk to, Uber Eats has been pretty strong. Um, I personally order from Uber Eats. And I know, you know, and anecdotally, like we're just telling uh, personal stories, but I think the battle is still there. Uh, yes, DoorDash has a significant lead. You know, I think they have over 50% of the market share. Um, and the CEO, I'm wondering uh, if, you know, if he was trying to focus more on the Uber side. I think he's a CEO of everything, right? I, I'm, I, if you correct me if I'm wrong, but it's a little, it's a difference of company where DoorDash, that's their main focus. That's all they're doing compared to Uber Eats, where I just, I, I feel like maybe they should have prioritized and made it more of a, I guess, more of a priority. But, you know, Uber, Uber is about ride share. I mean, I think that's the first thing I think of about Uber. While DoorDash is about food delivery, Dash, trying to get it as fast as possible. And, DoorDash's growth and the way they've been putting together is extremely, extremely aggressive to a point where they're not focusing on merchants. They're not focusing on the drivers. They're not, they're not focusing on anything other than growth, growth, growth. So um, maybe Uber didn't realize how aggressive they were going to be. But, you know, that's how, I guess that's how it's going to, that's how it's going right now. What do you think, Steve? Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, you know, I, I'm probably the wrong, I got to look over my shoulder every time I talk about DoorDash, make sure somebody's not looking to polish me off out the window or something. (laughs) Um, but, uh, I think that DoorDash has been hit a lot more than the other two too. I think that even your general people using the app who normally don't know about drivers are paid too little or this, that, the other, I think that a lot of people have caught wind of DoorDash and maybe you don't agree with that, but I think that truly a lot of people have, and uh, you know, they're not real. Maybe they've been with DoorDash and they're not real happy with what they heard, even though the, the other apps do it as well. You know, it's, it, it, they all do things a little different. So the, the plug has been on DoorDash. Uh, it's almost hurt them in the media, I think. And, you know, with their 1.4 million U S drivers, it's, I mean, they're the most over, they're the most flooded app of all too. So I don't know. I think they, I think they're going to have some struggles. I think, I think Grubhub might do a little bit of a bounce back to be honest. Yeah. There's something that this, in this article was pointing out was that, you know, DoorDash hadn't had a division on flying cars and, uh, you know, or, you know, driverless cars and all that, that, that Uber has been having. It's like Uber was like wasting so much money on all this R and D stuff they were never going to use. But as DoorDash is just focused on food delivery, I mean, I think they've talked to something about, you know, maybe doing drone delivery someday, but it seems to be really far out. Like they're not like spending tons of money on, on this uh, sci-fi type R and D. So, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, really good, interesting story. Recommend everybody read it. Link in the description below. And speaking of which, let's move on to the next story. This 21-year-old high school dropout just raised $11 million for his food tech ordering startup. Here's how he's helping restaurants save million in delivery fees from Uber Eats and DoorDash. 
Adam Guild is the co-founder and Futex startup owner.com. So it says, uh, sorry, always got to zoom in here so you, you guys can see. Yeah, let us know on the in the chat if you guys can see or not. Uh, let's see. So Adam is a high school dropout, but when it comes to understanding the financial complexities of running a digital food ordering startup, this 21-year-old entrepreneur has done his homework and high-profile investors and venture capital firms are taking notice. Uh, his owner.com raised $10.7 million in a seed round, blah, blah, blah. Uh, the round also included funding from individual investors Marcus Limonis, the host of The Profit, and Kimball Musk, a restaurateur, and Elon Musk's brother. That's pretty good company to keep, I'd say. Guild's first company, PlacePool, helped restaurants like P.F. Chang's launch digital marketing campaigns that lured consumers to dining rooms, but his business fell flat when pandemic hit. He pivoted to survive after nearly filing for bankruptcy. And so he began cold calling restaurants during the pandemic, asking them what they needed to survive the health crisis. Over and over, here's the same story from restaurant owners frustrated with delivery apps like Grubhub, Uber Eats, and DoorDash. They've taken my customers hostage, and the only way I can get proof of life from the hostage is paying 20 or 30% ransom fees just to see that transaction. So, um, yeah, this goes on. I mean, it's just saying that they're going to uh, – basically slash the delivery fees and all that stuff. So this is, this is really interesting whenever um, a new company, like even like para, you know, shout out to, to Steve, Dave and all those guys, um, <laughs> you know, just a few guys with a smart idea can figure a way to compete or at least offer an alternative to the big guys. So um, I, I really hope that this site takes off and like it does something because if it anything that can offer more competition to the big guys or at least like like even like me on the consumer side if it's going to cut prices down then then that's great so you guys have the floor oh i'll jump in <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah i mean i think that's the the very interesting thing and, and the beautiful thing about capitalism i know people tend to hate it nowadays that competition uh, disruption is powerful where, you know, you may think that something may can't be fixed and you think, well, let's just throw the law at it. Let's try to regulate it. But if we could find, you know, enterprising, very smart, intelligent, creative people that can look at a problem and realize there's still a, a solution here, but let me figure it out. And that's the best way to get some of these other companies, the big companies to kind of change their ways and try to improve things when someone can create something and make it a little better. So, I mean, that's why I like capitalism. I, I like the ability for competition. I think it, it helps everyone. It helps the consumer. It helps the you know the merchant as well. So yeah, I hope, I hope everything works out with that. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, yeah, I would, I would say that, uh, you know, I, I guess this goes back to the roadie thing too, you know, like some of these companies, their goal is to maybe be bought out. Um, and I, I think it's really hard to knock these giants down at this point. Um, because if you are a company that comes up with this angle or something, you know, there's very few companies that stick to their guns, even as more money and more money and more money keeps getting thrown at them in offers to sell out. And, uh, you know, one of my worries is that a lot of gig companies start up with the goal to sell out and then they start coming up with great ideas and, you know, it's, we don't know it. We jump on the platform. We love it. And then it's all of a sudden we see it's going to be bought corner shop by Uber or whatever. 
Yeah, that that was a South Park episode a few years ago. He's like, build up, bro down. <laughs> Remember that one where they uh, they they're like, we just we it's a startup, and it's like, okay, but what are like the joke was, what are you starting up? He's like, nothing. It's just a startup company. Uh, yeah, that was that was from a few seasons ago on South Park. So check that one out if you didn't if you haven't seen it. But um, we got we got another. Uh, similar news. Well, not really, but just more. A lot. I'm sorry, all the uh, PR news this week, folks. Shipped announces largest ex- nationwide expansion in three years. So this is. I love the uh, the dateline on here. Is Birmingham, Alabama. A lot of people don't know that Shipped is you know a pretty small company out of Birmingham, Alabama. You know they're not out of um, San Francisco or something like that. So. Ship today announced its largest nationwide expansion in three years. Yeah, we saw that. Adding its same-day delivery service to more store locations and reaching millions of potential new customers. As part of this expansion, customers across the country are able to use same-day delivery with Ship across nearly 1,000 more store locations from some of their favorite neighborhood retailers. In addition, over 2 million more households who previously were just outside of Ship's coverage area can now access Ship for convenient and fast shopping. So, I mean, there isn't much to say here. It says that, I, I get, okay, they're partnering with CVS, Bed Bath & Beyond, Party City, GNC. Um, and, you know, so they're a- adding new stores, which is a good thing. Because uh, I've been on the waiting list for with SHIP for like two years. And, like, I'll always email them and be like, you know, am I, what's happening? You know, and they just, they always just replies with a, a can response. So if this can help me get, some shipped orders or even get in with the platform at all. I think it's a good thing. So, um, Hannibal, are you on with shipped? I know you're on with Instacart. I have shipped, never used it. So I can't really (laughs) help you with your account. (laughs) But, uh, going, when you go uh, check out some videos on ship, when people are really telling us, people are saying like ship was better than Instacart that have been maybe because ship just came into the market. You know how, when a new, program comes into the marketplace the payout's a little better but um i think it, it's you know if you have a lot of targets in your area i think that's what ship kind of specialize in target if you have a lot of targets in your area you could do pretty well with shipped so um hopefully two years man i don't know i don't know they may have forgotten about you man that's a long time <laughs> i was on the waiting list for grubhub for like two years that worked out <laughs> the people are you I on know, with shipped, uh, Steve? No, and the people I know who are on with shipped, who do get orders, have really griped to me about it. In fact, I don't often see eye to eye with the gig work, all the great gig worker collective stuff, obviously, because that's somewhere in between, you know, the full AB fivers and the independent contractor types. But I've had Willie Solace on before, and one of his main beefs is with shipped. Um, I know he's got some real problems with the way that they work and treat their people. And I know it's a, he's in he's in Texas, so I know it's a big in Texas. I know that Jason Terry did it up in Michigan and used to not, you know, I don't think he had the best things to say about it as well. And I know other people have just kind of told me, you know, they they got the app, they tried it, and they kind of, the next time I asked, they're like, oh, I'm not using that anymore. So I, I don't really have any good stories to give. I've I've heard that you can make pretty good money with ship, but the catch is, like all the batches, they come in without a tip. Like the customers tip after delivery, so like every single order is a gamble as to whether or not you're going to get tipped or not. But from what I understand, the vast majority of customers do tip. So let us know if you're a ship shopper because the our panel, nobody here is actually doing shipped. 
Um, so let us know in the comments if, if you like shipped or not. Um, I mean, it's I'm sure it's a market to market thing too. Yeah, totally. You know, because I'm sure some people would say, "Hey, shipped is great," and they live and they do wherever. more than just Target because I've seen ship shoppers at Aldi and Publix, which are the two. Well, all these technically nationwide, but Publix is the southeast. Right. Uh, and they do Kroger in Michigan, which yeah. has other so, companies under them across the country. So yeah. so it's not limited to just Target, but it's mm-hmm. it's just not quite as big as Instacart. But they gotta they gotta compete. Speaking of which, Instacart goes deeper into digital advertising as grocery delivery slows. Oh, isn't that the truth? CEO Fiji Fiji Simo is leading Instacart to expand a digital consumer product advertising going up against supermarkets and tech giants. I feel like Hannibal and I covered this like a week or two ago or a month ago. But uh, so I'm just going to cover this real quick. So um, what they say is uh, Simo, and if you're not familiar, she was with Facebook. uh, They said who spent a decade at Facebook. And they also brought in like what, two or three other Facebook execs to Instacart. So, uh, advertising is a way to boost sales, blah, blah, blah. Uh, food and consumer brand spending on digital advertising is pre- projected to rise about a third this year. Um, so basically, you're going to see a lot more uh, Instacart ads, especially on Facebook, because Instacart and Facebook are practically the same company now. Because <laughs> all the executives went from Facebook to Instacart, or a bunch of them did anyway. Instacart said it doesn't compete with retailers or other helps them achieve higher sales and provides them with data on which items sell and how well. It said it gives retailers information on orders placed on the platform, working with them to analyze the data and ways to apply it. This helped retailers build better relationships with shoppers. Um, so again, sorry, I sound like a broken record tonight, folks, but a lot of the news this week is like these, this kind of press release kind of stuff. Um, it's uh to me this it, to me this is not that big of a deal as far as news, but I, I would like to bring up the fact that you know Instacart, so many of their new execs came from Facebook. I mean Fiji Simo, she was with Facebook, and then she just brought all her friends with her. So it's I think if you're on Facebook, you're gonna start see, seeing a lot of Instacart ads. What do you think, Steve? Uh, maybe. Uh, I don't know. You know, I. The, these group, I don't know that I, I don't know that I blocked them together. When I know what you're saying, that she came over and then she brought other people that probably wanted to leave Facebook. Um, I don't know how far their allegiance to Facebook goes because I think you're talking about like interpersonal communication within the company. Like they'll be able to help get some boosts on Facebook because of old friends that they've worked with. But in their leaving, I feel like these groups often leave IT companies in the Bay Area and. Uh, you know, they they obviously they just shift to other ones. I feel like this happens quite often. In fact, in fact, I've always kind of been, you know, like, wow, these people must not be on, uh, you know, like any kind of term non-disclosure disclosures or anything, because it's weird how often they bounce around to the exact competing company. Yeah. And this is how government works, too, as they go from uh, like people who work for the FDA used to work for bear or you know uh monsanto or something like that or like or they go from monsanto to the fda or usda or something like that so or they quit the fda <laughs> Hannibal, did, didn't we didn't we cover this story like a month or two ago i think so probably not as in detail of what they're going to do to change things up but 
like you said, she's already, I think her title back in Facebook was something with mobile, uh, adver- I don't know if it was advertising, yeah, but it was something related something... to that. So she kind of just bringing her with her expertise, which she's already kind of known for, or at least what she's good at. And she said, she says, hey, late, listen, I know how we can get some money from this, this angle. So let's try that since the grocery stuff is going to be slowed down and, and inflation and all types of goods and services are not as, as plentiful as it used to be. So. While we while we are trying to struggle here, let's try to go from this angle. So, I'm um, not like you said; it's not a big surprise. Uh, she got you know that's her expertise. So, you know she should be able to do something to get you know get some more money in the coffers. One, one I, last I, thing I would like to sure, say about about this uh, though is to the often you know the advertising money these budgets go to driver incentives and thing or they're supposed to who knows where it really goes. But advertising budget is incentives, bonuses, that kind of thing, too. So, I mean, like, I don't know. I don't see a ton of advertising for Instacart on any media. I see all the others, but I really don't don't see see much Instacart. I don't know what they do. Yeah, Especially if, uh, you know, you use ad blockers like I do on Chrome. uh, But even if you don't, when you're seeing the other ads, I don't see a lot of Instacart ones. Tons of DoorDash. I I, know, some Uber Eats. I see them, but then again, I mean, half the groups I'm in are Instacart groups, so Facebook knows that I like Instacart, so, I mean, it's all tailored. And if one Instacart story isn't enough, we got another one here, and this is, again, it seems like old news. I feel like we talked about this before. This is from Forbes.com. Walmart teams with Instacart in war with Amazon. This is like the Avengers of, like... (laughs) corporate worlds or something walmart and instacart versus amazon and this is uh just kind of we talked about this uh a few weeks ago so uh walmart recently expanded an alliance with instacart so far it's relatively narrow power power partnership but it's a big deal because it involves big players in the growing delivery space and it's only a small part of walmart's expansion beyond bricks to clicks as first reported in the wall street journal walmart expanded a delivery pilot with instacart to include parts of new york city where Walmart doesn't have stores. The same-day delivery pilot started last year in Los Angeles, San Francisco, San Diego, Tulsa, Oklahoma. It's weird. And has grown to include Brooklyn, Queens, and the Bronx. Manhattan isn't included. <laughs> Convenience is becoming the new king in retail amid COVID-19, or maybe it always was. Although now it's being defined differently. Retailers have to be where the consumer wants, and that increasingly means delivery. Um, Hannibal is in Brooklyn. Have you... It, it, there's no Walmarts there? So it's like, if there's no Walmarts there, then... Where are they going to get orders from? Long Island and New Jersey. Yeah, Walmart tried. I mean, there's 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 some there's Walmart's, but it's kind of far out. They were trying to get it closer to you know, the, you know, like the metropolitan area where you can take the train and stuff like that. And um, I think a lot of city local officials try to push them out for reasons I don't understand. But um, they you can drive like so. Basically, if let's say for instance, I if they had whatever Walmart deal they have or Instacart. Um, I could probably drive over there and probably take like a half an hour, maybe like 20 minutes, stuff like that. So if someone's really, really interested in Walmart, I guess they can still order it. I don't know how much it would cost in terms of the you know the travel and stuff like that. But, um, you know, Walmart is huge, man. It's a huge – and the inter- interesting thing about the Instacart deal is the fact they're trying to fight with – you know, they're trying to fight with Amazon. They're trying to get – you know, they, it, it's like like you said, it's a kind of like of a – Civil War, Marvel kind of thing, where these two giant things are just battling each other, and we're just a small, you know, small group trying to get some money, <laughs> just trying to get paid fairly for the work. So, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I don't know how that's going to work out. 
Is it a race to the bottom, Steve? <laughs> um, or- well, I was going to ask Hannibal, actually. Like, is this... Do you think this is something where... Okay, I, I didn't even know until you just said this that they didn't have a Walmart in in Brooklyn. That's just crazy to me. But um, I mean, I guess with the layout and the way it is, but do you think it's something where they could, you know, do like a um, distribution center, like a halfway point and see yeah. how that worked out for that area? Like give you guys or give the, you know, the drivers, like let them go up to this distribution center, just get their order. I think so. I mean, I think that's what's working for our area. Like, I think that's why there's other little companies like gorillas where, you can literally just get everything in 10 minutes because it's a small, dense area. They have their one little distribution center, and people just come in with their little scooters or bikes and stuff like that and grab things and move on. So I definitely think if you know they're only going to be taking people with cars, you could drive to Walmart, grab some stuff, and move on or like have other distribution centers. It, I also saw an article, Dash Mart, they're going to be here as well, so or at least they're going to be competing as well. So it, we have a lot of opportunity how you know what kind of opportunity is the question but there seems like there's gonna be a lot of opportunities for us gig workers to make a buck are you i don't know if it's a race to the bottom but i'll i mean like <laughs> i guess we have to allow a company like walmart to really give their full fight to an amazon because otherwise amazon's gonna have everything yeah yeah definitely. and i if anybody watches well he used to be called instacart dude and then he changed his name to gig tetris dude which or whatever uh gary he's in he moves. He goes between L.A. and Phoenix. I think he's in L.A. right now. But he he has been doing Instacart orders through, uh, or doing Walmart orders through Instacart in a, for seems like a year now. And uh, the only, I mean, I've done Instacart or uh, I've I've done Walmart deliveries through DoorDash, and they almost always take forever. I'd be interested to see if I was going to take a Walmart order. Like I want it to be like I want to shop it because I could do it faster than these schmucks can do it because I know where everything <laughs> is in the store. Well, that's why I wondered about distribution center. Like, I think that'd be a really good test of, like of a, Hannibal's like territory. A you know, like or Amazon Flex type thing, where you right? Because you're talking, roll you're talking up and it's already ready. Amazon's already going to be competing in his area, so you're going to need something like that to take it on. Yeah, mm-hmm. I um, mean, someone, where people like, can't even go in, you just got to go and get your order. And yeah, mm-hmm. uh, shout out to Gig IQ. He's in, he dropped a little comment. Uh, Instacart seems like a better fit for Walmart than DoorDash, and I agree. Um, like you said, you if you can do, kind of do the personal shopping, and especially if you're just really good at shopping and getting the stuff for yourself, some, you know, I, yeah, I think I think Instacart definitely is a better fit. Mm-hmm. All right, I don't let's... even see the fit between Walmart and DoorDash. <laughs> I gotta be <laughs> honest. Like, that seems yeah. like a just complete logistical nightmare for that company. Yeah. All right, well, we yeah. got, we got a little, whoops, oh, don't tell me I just closed it. I just closed it. Uh, sorry, I just closed the tab. <laughs> Let me see if I can bring it up. There we go. Sorry, this is the uh, the fun of doing live on the fly uh, podcasting here, folks. All right, we got it back. So this is a, a local news story from WISN. I forget which city this is out of. So this is a delivery driver. I assume he's a DoorDash driver, maybe Uber Eats. Actually, I think this was in L.A. Um, delivery driver jumps into action after spying a two-year-old running across California Street. So I'm just going to see if I can play this. 
When Gerson Tavares accepted one last request as a food delivery driver, okay, I will. He had no idea what he was really being called to do. That's a two-year-old boy in a diaper running down a busy Burbank Boulevard in Van Nuys at night in front of his car. As soon as Gerson realized this, he parked it and bolted out the door to try to save the boy's life. The harrowing moments were caught on his dash camera. I run more and more. I, I know if, if, if they um, I got out the, the lane, uh, the, the driver me, don't see the boy. The boy is um, a little, little. Gerson waved his arms so that other drivers would see him if they couldn't see the little boy. He thinks he may have run into head-on traffic because he was completely distracted by a game tablet. All the time, the, the, the little boy and the game tablet. But Gerson was eventually able to stop traffic and get the boy out of the road, right in front of this church. When the, the driving stopped, yeah, okay, I, I got the boy in my arms. Oh, no, thank you, God. Feel like God helped you save him, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I'm not the hero. God is a hero. But Igor can't <laughs> contain his pride for his lifelong protector. Yeah, he's a father of four. He says his dad is definitely a hero for risking his own life to intervene. You were the right guy at the right place, you know, doing the right thing. And for me, what makes me more proud of him was like how quick he actually was like fast reaction, just the way I expect my dad to be. You know, my hero. I love this guy. <laughs> For now, it's unclear how exactly the boy ended up in the road. The LAPD says they located the boy's guardians and returned him to his home, but that the Department of Children and Family Services will investigate to determine whether or not any further action needs to be taken. Something bad could have happened. Thank God it didn't. All right. So was that a uplifting story or a downer <laughs> that, that reminds me of that dave Chappelle joke from a long time ago where he's like he's talking about he was in a limo and then like he saw a baby on the corner in the middle of the night <laughs> um i mean it doesn't surprise me that this happened in la I, I'm, actually i'm surprised that could have been that could have easily have happened in like rural florida like that could have that could have been me a, a couple years ago yeah it, it's kind of funny they left out the details on this one yeah. Can't anything happen in rural Florida? <laughs> <laughs> what, what was your reaction when you saw this, guys? I, I couldn't hear it for some reason. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't know. I could, it was really loud on my end. Yeah, a couple of people said that in the chat. I couldn't yeah, hear it, it said, at all. Yeah, it, was, it sounds pretty low. The, um, I mean, you know, great. You know, thank God that they got, you know, they were able to get that kid out the street. Did they say anything about the parents and what they're going to do with them? They said they couldn't, there was no, they don't know how the kid got out there and they just turned over to child and family services or whatever. Yeah. It's so. that, 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 I'm sure the father's not there. They, that woman should, uh, that, they shouldn't have any kids. They shouldn't ha have any custody <laughs> of children to do that. Like, I, two years old, that's, they just, it, that actually story gets me angry when you just see people who yeah. don't take care of their kids, man. I will have say guys, without without volume, that was pretty weird to keep seeing that car. It looked like it was getting way too close to that kid, almost like it didn't see it. But maybe I wasn't hearing what I needed to. Yeah, I mean, um, when you think you're driving, you wouldn't expect that to be in the middle of the street, you know? Like, <laughs> Jesus. Do you guys have any delivery or rideshare stories involving kids? Like, I very rarely interact with 
small children and like although it's always usually cute because they're always like waving at me like hi 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 and like like the parents will give them cash to give to me you know they think it's like so fun <laughs> uh, i mean hannibal you got young youngsters so they they like to give the delivery guy a cash tip or something like that. Uh, no, or? they they usually. Are, I mean, my son stays inside while I go and get the food. <laughs> uh, so yeah, um, yeah. Every once in a while, you, you you see some, you know, you see some kids. It still it still weirds me out that you know when I deliver food sometimes and a child that's not like maybe under ten answers the door. Like I just think that's safety. I uh I don't think that's a good idea. Like I think a child under the age of probably twelve to thirteen should not be answering the door. Themselves, yeah. but that's just me. I'm a little bit more paranoid. I don't know. Have you I'm the same, I'm the same way. I got a 15 year old, I did the same thing, man. <laughs> He's just getting at that age where I'd let him, and I still like to even be here. I'm, I'm probably overprotective. And who knows, I was gonna, but... I was gonna ask Steve, you ever given a ride share ride to a little kid? Because that happened to me like three years ago, like the mom like had the flu or something, and she had me take like a fourth grader to school. And she just like puts him in the car. She's like, I can't take him. I'm sick. And I'm like, uh, the bus. She's like, oh, so it's the bus. <laughs> I've done close to 30,000 rides. And I actually worked, oddly, I worked with the Denver PD for a short time at uh, Cherry Creek High School, which is central here in Denver. Um, it does about, it has about 4,000 students. And they all were in this abusive system of using the app. So I'd sit out there and cancel and I'd have my dash cam going on them. And I, I ended up doing a piece on Nine News about three or four years ago. Um, about this same thing that I can send you where I was just, I was actually a huge advocate of in no way, let these guys off. If they're 17, whatever, even if they're seniors, don't let them in your car because it really ends up all on you. And it's one of those things where, trust me, Uber and Lyft will not have your back one second. If the littlest thing goes wrong. I mean, even these parents, even these companies like go, go parent there, the, there's a lot of them like the, that around the country who are up and running for about three to four months. Go-Go Parent's still going. But, um, you know, like, I don't know of another one that you can do that lasted longer than four months before they realized they had insurance claims, all kinds of problems, even without an accident. All right. Uh, we got to take a quick break, and but we'll be back with the last section of the show. So stick around. Meet Joe. He's a rideshare driver that drives for Uber and Lyft. Joe currently uses multiple phones to efficiently drive for Uber and Lyft. But this can be a pain at times and very unsafe. That was until Joe found Maximo, the rideshare app that automates Uber and Lyft ride requests. Maximo will use the filters set by Joe, like time, distance, and passenger rating, to determine which rides are best suited for Joe. When a ride request comes in, Joe doesn't need to worry. Maximo will automatically accept the ride request that matches his filters, and then turn off the app that isn't currently on a ride. Once Joe finishes the ride, Maximo will turn everything back on. This will allow Joe to focus more on his passengers and driving safe. All right, we are back. Uh, we just got, you know, we didn't really have any viral videos this week. There was, there was two. So... One was about an Amazon driver who was just hucking packages onto this lady's porch from like 20, 20 yards back. It was actually pretty funny, but it got taken down, so I can't even show it. 
And the other one was about a lady was at a Sonic, and you can just like hear what she says is a DoorDash driver in the background having a meltdown. But it's like it's it's a very short video, and like there's all you can do is just hear a guy yelling. It's to me, it wasn't very interesting. Although I think Tanner uh, Markley did a video about it. So I mean, they're just sorry, no really funny viral videos this week. So we just got three more, uh, you know, on the news stories on the lighter side, uh, folks. Actually, there's one really. So this is a uh, from a local uh, TV or radio station, WRAL.com. Food delivery apps aren't required to list calorie data. All right, out of Raleigh, North Carolina. Raleigh, 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 Raleigh. I drove through there once. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the Food and Drug Administration requires restaurants with 20 more locations to post calorie counts or standard items on menus, both in the restaurant and online, but that same nutritional information doesn't always get transferred to menus on third-party delivery services like DoorDash, Uber Eats, and Grubhub. And that's pretty much the gist of the story. There isn't a lot to talk about, but I don't know. What do you guys think? Like, I, I, mean, I, I would kind of like to see that information just out of curiosity, but... I think eventually again. They, I don't think we need a government mandate to. They will this. eventually have them. <laughs> Just the idea of that idea, like no one mentioned it. I'm sure eventually each of these apps will have the calorie count. It's just a matter of time. Because I didn't even think about it to be honest. But just you know, like in especially in New York, it's mandated. You go into a restaurant, a fast food restaurant, you have to see the calorie count. So I think it's a matter of time for the gig apps to have the same thing. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. Um. <laughs> I, I don't I don't know because I think that these companies all like like Hannibal just said like you walk into McDonald's they have to now have it so the websites have it if you if you are ordering DoorDash you've had McDonald's before you <laughs> obviously you're pretty familiar with it I don't think it's I mean as we talked about earlier you know these companies aren't even getting in contact with with so many restaurants they're delivering from they're just doing it that. I mean, they're using 2014 menus. They're not. So I in no way, in no time soon, do I think that we'll see that because that's something they wouldn't. Why have a whole nother, uh, you know, programming space you have to deal with and make sure you're keeping up to date with They They try and keep it as minimal as possible. Good point. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I, I think it is just a matter of time, but it's, I guess it regulate a, someone forcing them to not they would do it yeah. on their own but yeah right or maybe like a link like mm-hmm. just a link that says here's a link to McDonald's and it takes you to the website where it says all of their calories on everything yeah yeah it's just so that like, McDonald's never, can update it you're never gonna see good news on whenever you look at a calorie counter or anything like that <laughs> <laughs> right but it's good you know I I'm not for all these regulations but I do like that they put that in there. At first, I thought this is weird, but then I, th- I was like, you know, people should know because some of these foods it, are so it, bad. It for doesn't you. like it doesn't change your mind though, because like if you're absolutely starving, you're just like, I, no, I always said that it's it like if I'm starving, dry. the calories don't count. It doesn't matter, you know, the or the saturated fats and all that stuff. So, uh, we let, let's move on to our our last t- two stories here. We got another Instacart related story. This is from Mashed.com, not Mashable, Mashed. Why you can't find your favorite Aldi product on Instacart, according to Reddit. Aldi is a popular grocery store because it offers a variety of great products at very reasonable prices. In fact, many shoppers prefer Aldi to other chains because they love the great deals and special finds they can only get here. However, some shoppers have found there to be a big discrepancy between the items offered in Aldi stores and the ones that are able to be purchased online through Instacart. Uh, and this is just, again, it's just they're kind of going off a Reddit post, but... Um, 
Other Aldi shoppers quickly chimed in with their helpful insights on why some items seem nearly impossible to find on Instacart. The general consensus is that online shopping portal doesn't always carry all the same items as the physical store. Your Aldi probably does carry those things, but Instacart decides what they'll offer, and the popularity of some of these items makes it almost impossible for anyone to guarantee that you're able to order them any later than a couple hours after they go on sale. Um, yeah, that's true. I mean, as a... Um, as a Aldi fan and as an Instacart shopper, I can tell you that uh, the there. So, if you're not familiar with Aldi, it's actually a German chain. It's it's a very uh, economical grocery store because they don't have baggers. They don't even have bags. Well, they do have bags, but you have to pay for them. They want you to bring the, your own bags, or like they have empty boxes all over the the store. You can just grab. Um, and they have a, a special section called Aldi Finds, and it's basically Kind of like their own little big lots, you know, like closeouts that they get from other companies. Like you will see brand name products on there, but it's stuff that they got for like dirt cheap and then like they're selling it for dirt cheap. So you can actually get occasional name brand grocery and like other products in there. And actually, it's really funny. I can't show you, but uh, I have two monitors right here and there's a monitor mount that that clamps the desk. And so instead of having the, the monitors on stands... They're on a like a, a clamp thing with, where it's screwed into the back, and I actually got that at Aldi. In fact, I got my pillows at Aldi. Um, so it's like the Aldi finds. Every time I go to Aldi, I'm always like going up and down the Aldi finds. A lot, of, especially they have a lot of seasonal stuff there. So like Easter, Halloween, Christmas, stuff like that. You're gonna get a lot of candy and other food that they don't have the rest of the year. Uh, at Christmas, they have the Aldi. Um, beer and wine and i think last year they had a hard seltzer advent calendar where you get 24 bottles of beer wine or hard seltzer and you're meant to drink like one a day and like and then they have like an aldi uh candy advent calendar and they had one they had a pet treats advent calendar which i got for lee and logan last year and it was so funny because uh I took some out on the first day and put it down in front of them, and they sniffed it and just like walked away. They're like, eh, "That's gross," so I throw that away. But um, that's basically what the story is about: is the Aldi fine section. I don't, do you guys ever shop at Aldi? I'm familiar with Aldi. Um, they have them here in Brooklyn, but I'm trying to figure out what what can Instacart do to remedy the situation. So they have they have the story. They're saying that there's certain there's special fines that Aldi has that Instacart is not going to put on their platform because they decide what they offer and the popularity of these items make it just say make it impossible for anyone to guarantee you're able to order it. I don't think Instar can do anything about that, right? Like, I mean, I'm just assuming it's kind of like, you know, if you really want you really want to go see these special things in Aldi, then you're gonna have to get up and, and go yeah. to the store. Yeah, it sells out quick. What do you think, Steve? You ever shop at Aldi? We don't we don't have Aldi. I don't I don't know. <laughs> Not even familiar to be honest. Thing, oh, it, really it's did. so interesting. Like it's a grocery store, but you're able to find mounts for your your monitor. So it's yeah. I haven't pillows. to see that. Oh, and they yes. have, uh... yeah. In Michigan, we had a thing because I'm originally from Michigan. I've been out here for like twenty some years, but I've half and half of my life. And uh, we had Meyer. I think it's kind mm-hmm. of the same. Oh yeah, thing, I'm if familiar you, with if you know what that yeah. is. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, it's it's pretty funny. Uh, Ashley said some people call it the AOS all the aisle of shame. <laughs> yeah, I, but you know what? I, I have seen as an Instacart shopper, people will put like they'll find stuff on the Aldi finds on Instacart, but it, it's usually like way out of date. 
And it always drives me nuts because, like, usually some of those Aldi uh, batches can be pretty good if the customer tips really well. And uh, but they'll put like they put like all because they they know like as I was saying like a lot of that stuff is gone, so they put like tons and tons of stuff on the Aldi finds, and they end up getting like maybe half or less of what they wanted. I always feel bad. I'm always like, oh, they don't have this. It's also really hard to find because it's not organized. It's kind of like a a dollar store or a flea market or something where it's just wherever there's space on the shelf, that's where they put it. Like there's, you know, so you get the peaches next to the pens oil or whatever. (laughs) I think that makes a hard, I think that makes a hard shopping experience because that's those kind of things where it's fun for browsing, but it's hard when you're actually trying to find something. I mean, yeah, you'd actually be asking the person to go there and videotape what there is. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Do you want any of this? (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah. And Instagram, you can take a picture of the shelf and, be like, this wasn't available, but do you see anything you, you like here? So, anyway, uh, let's move on to our last story in our top five of the week. So, this is from bakemag.com, although I saw about 20 articles like this. But I wanted to go with this one because it has Grubhub in the name. Grubhub provides insights on pumpkin spice orders. I mean, it's only September. It's still like 89 degrees here in Florida, but it is pumpkin everything season. So... August and September see nearly 10 times more pumpkin-related orders than any other month, according to Grubhub. The online food delivery platform recently shared data on pumpkin spice trends across the country. According to trends from August to December 2020, these were the states that ordered the most pumpkin spice lattes. Number one, Ohio. I'm actually surprised. I mean, these are all mostly... Although Florida's number nine. I was going to say most of these are northern states. Well, actually, New Mexico is number three. Uh, Anyway, so... Top pumpkin spice restaurants, cafes, bakeries, Buckeye Donuts out of Columbus, Ohio, Brothers Bakery Cafe out of New York, La French Tart out of Brooklyn. I don't know if Hannibal knows that place. Insomnia Coffee Company, Hillsboro, Oregon, Chip City, Long Island City. So three of these are out of New York City. And finally, these were the top pumpkin spice flavored orders. Number one, pumpkin spice cake. Two, pumpkin spice cookie. Three, hot chai tea, pumpkin spice latte. Four, pumpkin spice cheesecake. Five, pumpkin spice smoothie. So, as is the trend for the last three weeks now, I and I remember when Hannibal and I first started the show, we'd always like somehow start talking about food. And I was like, we got to talk about food every week. <laughs> and then I was like, this gave me an idea of like, people love lists. So I was like, let's turn, we'll try to do a top five food list every week. So I told you guys to come up with your top five favorite pumpkin flavored foods and drinks so steve uh, right. if you're the guest i'll let you go first <laughs> not a big laugh. fan of the pumpkin and uh yeah i was just playing catch up when i got back here today on the news so i'm sorry i can't participate in the pumpkin game well do you like All any right. uh pumpkin flavored anything or yeah i mean like i don't go out of my way and it's not it's not my thing i mean i'm glad to always talk about food with you guys because i love a lot of type of things uh-huh. but that's just not my thing uh, all right, right Chad, you're gonna go, you're gonna be d- disappointed. Yeah, I'm not a big pumpkin person either. <laughs> <laughs> I try to think about. Wh- I haven't. I don't think the last time I had the last time I had anything pumpkin related is probably last Thanksgiving. Uh, probably going to the my my mother's house or my you know uh, my father in law house and having pumpkin pie, a little slice. You know, I'm not a pumpkin latte guy. Uh, I know some beers that ha- you know a lot of uh, fall beers that have pumpkin in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just not that's not my thing. Sorry, sorry, Chad. <laughs> well, this this is gonna make a very boring clip out. Uh, well, it's funny because um, 
So, I mean, I, I actually didn't make a list. I was just going to go off the top of my head because I figured you guys were going to have like some good <laughs> lists and I would just b- bounce off that. But I, I will. I can think of a few things. So there is, in downtown Sanford, there's a, a – it's called Luisa's Cafe. It's a like a wine bar and it looks like something that you would see like in Brooklyn or some you know something – like in a small metropolitan city, like an old, old – like everything in Florida is brand new. I mean as you can see from this picture behind me. But it's like actually an old building. And they have wine and beer there. And they also make handcrafted uh, lattes, cappuccinos. Like it's a full gourmet coffee bar. And I was there about a year ago. And I took a picture. I ordered – they had the pumpkin spice latte. And I was like, I got to get this. So I ordered it. And I took a picture with Instagram and put a filter on it. And I said – I'm taking a picture. I'm drinking a pumpkin spice latte in a hipster bar with an Instagram filter. That is like the ultimate hipster thing to do, you know? So, um, but anyway, so as far as favorite pumpkin foods and drinks, um, number one, I got to go actual pumpkin pie, like at Thanksgiving or Christmas. Uh, number two, I would say like any pumpkin donut or muffin, although I always kind of like Dunkin' Donuts the best. Um, and, and three, is there's like so many pumpkin beers back when I used to do a a weekly beer blog for the Albany Times Union when I lived in Albany. I we I me and like four or five other people, we did a pumpkin beer showdown. We had like I think like twelve or fifteen pumpkin beers and we did a blind tasting of them all. And you know, I wanted to go the I ah, I wanted to go to the store today and buy this beer. It's called Southern Tier Pum King. And it's like the best pumpkin beer I've ever had. It is like drinking pumpkin pie in liquid form and it has like this so it has like that pumpkin puree flavor like with you know the classic you know ginger nutmeg cinnamon clove allspice whatever and like almost like a graham cracker cinnamon crust or something like that so uh yeah those are those are my i would say top three favorite pumpkin things i mean i i'm kind of over the whole pumpkin thing like i remember like 10 years ago when like pumpkin spiced anything like when it just started to become trendy and like now it's just like it's so played out so like i won't even buy like pumpkin beers or a pumpkin coffee creamer or anything like that so i would assume I yeah know. it's kind of a flavor that you don't want too much of it should be a seasonal thing mm-hmm. where you know like i said around thanksgiving like you know fall but i think yeah i think you're right it, it became it also became like of a trope like you know, when certain women they, they they as fall comes, they just run to Starbucks and get you know the yeah. pumpkin spice, whatever, whatever. I don't know if that's it's, it, I guess it still must be still popular, but yeah, I, I guess yeah. I missed the boat on that one. It's it's still too hot here for like anything pumpkin. Like it's got to be like below sixty, I think. You know, whoa, it's, that's freezing. <laughs> no, I'm saying it's got to be below sixty. Before, I know for you. I know you're. You can I know, start I'm, eating pumpkin. I'm just teasing so, you. I, I would love to live in Florida right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you should totally should with the uh, the new uh, modern day apartheid going on up there, the medical <laughs> apartheid. Well, um, yeah, yeah. Oh, what? what uh, lost my train of thought. It's not bad. Say? Oh well, couldn't have been too important. <laughs> so, uh, you guys got anything to uh, plug? What, what do you got on your schedules coming up this week? I'll, I'll let Steve go. I have uh, on Tuesday uh, for our regular drop. I have uh, Bryce Bennett, the the guy who started Solo up in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard of Work Solo. Have you heard of him? No. So no. Work Solo in Seattle has you come in 
and bring all your apps uh, in that you use. And then they do algorithm counts and they, they say, what are you going to work this week? And you give them your times and which platforms. And they'll say, we think you'd make this. If you work these apps instead on these times that you're going to work, we'll, you'll make this much. And then if you don't, they pay you the difference. Whoa. And then, Chad, I have you That's on cool. for the bonus episode on Friday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely but, uh, recommend I, using StreamYard like we're using now because it records it. And uh, it will record both video or audio or both. If uh, And, uh, yeah, Zoom. But yeah, I'm, look, I'm really looking forward to this solo conversation because I, uh, I know about them and they're very new. But they just had a $5.5 million infusion. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty excited. It's it's old. Uh, it's old. The two guys who started it too are old, um, really high up uh, Uber execs. Mm-hmm. So it's gonna be pretty interesting. And I know, I know Hannibal. I already know you got a big deal going on on Friday, but I'll, I'll yes. let you uh, talk about uh, that. Well, Tuesday first on Tuesday it's gonna be me. Well, Pedro Gig Life. And John McHillian, um, you're you familiar with him as well, Chad. Uh, we're going to be talking about gig work and mental health. Um, I think it's a pretty important topic. I think a lot of people who are dealing with a lot of uncertainty and a lot of this craziness that's, you know, last couple of, you know, last 18, 20 months has been. So that's going to be pretty awesome. And then on Friday, uh, yeah, that's like the biggest, this is going to be the biggest week in my channel. Friday, I'm going to talk to UDM. He's been out with uh, fighting COVID for a while, and it got pretty rough on him. And he has a lot to say about it. And this is his first time actually being on the mic, being in front of the camera. He's going to talk to me on my channel, so I'm very excited for that. I'm really thankful that he decided to talk to me about it. But it's very interesting with you know the whole Rona stuff. It's when it hits home, you know, you definitely have at least you want to take a little you you want to take it seriously, and I definitely want to hear his story because he has a lot to say. What time is that on Friday? Eight o'clock. Uh, right. Tuesday is going to be at to, nine. Uh, Friday, yeah, eight o'clock, eight p.m. I'm gonna try to tune in for that. Uh, and speaking of John McCallion, he's going to be the guest on uh, the Gig Two podcast interview on Wednesday night. So uh, nice. check that out. And he was nice. just on Tanner's show a few days ago. He's you know <laughs> so, he's a little celebrity man. He's killing it. <laughs> All right, so uh, yeah, pretty good show, guys. Still trying to think of a, a closer, you know. Uh, what, what did I say last week? Keep gigging or something like that. But yeah, that just, just <laughs> Gary. Gary said I spoke to UDM today. He's sounding better, and yes, he has a lot to say. Is going to be a good show. In front, I'm, yes, yes. Although I am a little surprised. Well, he did post a. I remember it was on Instagram, uh, like a Instagram story or something, where he he actually was on camera for like ten seconds or something. But oh, okay, uh, awesome. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I'll put links to Hannibal and Steve in the description below if you're not following them. You definitely should be, and uh, like like uh, so. I will be on Steve's show later this week. Check that out, and uh, everybody have a good week. If I can just find the outro, here we go. All right, have a good week, everybody. See you. Take on, care. I'll, guys. I will see you on Wednesday. Right. <laughs> Bye.